welcome to another podcast right from the Rotary Radio Show, Melbourne. In this podcast, David Proud is in conversation with the then President, Rob Simpson, and his wife, Karen, reflecting on his year as President of the Rotary Club of Canterbury. Well, dear listener, I have again in front of me the current President for the next eight days, which we'll give away when we recorded this, Rob Simpson. Rob, welcome back to the Rotary Radio Show. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here and to see you again. Oh, wonderful. Now, Rob, uh, your year is just about coming to an end. How do you feel it's gone? It's been a wonderful year. I was very trepidatious at first, accepting the position of President because I've never been President before (laughs) and I had no idea what it involved and it was a huge learning curve, but yeah. thank goodness the the district and the the hierarchy in the district gave me tremendous backing, support, advice, and I think that got me through my year, particularly yeah. with help from the uh, assistant district governor, Jonathan Shepherd, yeah. even uh, a lot of assistance from the incoming president, who will be the... Uh, our president for the next 12 months. And who would that be? That would, that would be Steve Wiley. Oh, right. Uh, he's, uh, he has uh, never forgiven me for <laughs> asking him to be... Uh, or telling him. <laughs> well, he just, he says, he says he didn't tell me it was going to be as much work. And now, just on all that, how did all the pets uh, sessions go? And were they useful? They were, because I, before I was president, I knew a bit about Rotary, or I thought I did, right. but it's not until I got into the PET session, which is President Elect, I'm not sure what the T stands for, but training. Training, thank you. President Elect training tells us how or what Rotary is about and what is expected of us. And I really didn't know much about yes, Rotary. Yes, when you get above club level, it's a whole new world, isn't it, Rob? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I had no idea how the board operated. I've yeah. seen it there, I've been booked to board meetings, but the amount of work involved by the members of the club is just stupendous. Yeah. And that's what got me through my year. The right. work of the other people in the club, not so much me, but the people around me, the, the, the board members, the, the secretary, the treasurer. Yeah, the, yeah. Well, when you have your grandson on your knee in about five years' time, but we may say ten years' time. What would you like to be able to tell him about your year as president? I think it was one of the most successful years that I've seen in the club. Not because of me, but because of the members. Yeah. And the club has progressed from strength to strength with our huge number of projects we have. Amazing projects that have developed. Over we'll come back to the projects a bit later. All right. But uh, could you be expand what it is about the nature of the club that has changed this year to say five years ago? Oh, I think the social right. identity of the club. There are other clubs in our district that look upon us as the social club of the district. We used to be called the fun club. We <laughs> are still the fun club. We oh, have, that's good. We are considered the fun club. We yeah. we don't take things too seriously. We get the job done with fun. Yeah. And all of our projects involve fun and excitement and, and we're involving members, people outside Rotary. Yeah. Well, I 
can re- relate to you. Before the AG program came in, we had, I'm not sure what they were called, they may have even been assistant governors. And our assistant governor, who had a lot more clubs than the, the current AGs, kept on coming back to our club. And I say, why do you keep coming back? He said, I love the fun in this club. <laughs> and that's why he kept coming back. So that's been our byline almost from year one. I can just about remember back to, to year one. So that's good. Well, nothing has changed, David. No, that's good. It's still the fun club. And a lot of, we're getting a lot of new members. And we are having fun. Yeah. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Having fun while doing good. Yeah. I also feel that we don't highlight the having fun bit as much as we perhaps should. Uh, if you look at all the rotary blurbs, it says giving back to the community, etc. And while that's important, uh, and I don't want to decry that in any way, having fun, I think, is where the heart of our club is. And a lot of other people want to come and have fun as well. And I think that could be a self-generating membership sort of mechanism. Well, I think you're right there. We've had, like the things we've done this year, we've had, we had a, a, a dancing night. Oh, we tell had, us about that. Oh, my God. We had some dance instructors come and teach us old Rotarians, well, not all old, there's some young ones, yeah. but showed us how to do a few basic moves on the dance floor and pick up the sheilas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, it, it was a fun night. Everyone enjoyed themselves. That's yeah. just one of the events that we yeah. have. Yeah. We, we have theatre nights. We have uh, a lot of social events. Yeah. Dinner nights. Um, yeah. we and that's one, important, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. We had one at the Palmer's just recently. Yeah. And, and uh, I wish to thank the Palmer for their generosity and what they did for us. A fabulous restaurant in Kew, and they put on a most fantastic meal. Uh, we had far more members than we usually get at a, uh, a Rotary meeting, and everyone enjoyed themselves. Well, and that's the sort of thing that our club's about. Yeah. No. I think that was thanks to Ross. Ross Moroli. Yeah. He 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 really he negotiated all that, and he wanted to you know offer the club a really nice evening mm-hmm. um, but at the same time getting people to know what department is all about and um, yeah. so I think that was really great he, he put a lot of work into that I think. now other things from your standpoint during this year other things that stand out in your mind I think well from my perspective I think that the club members have become closer yeah. they I feel that we've you know, I, well, I think Rob and I have tried to 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 foster that friendship and cooperation with all the members of the club. Right. And and I think if you know who you're working with, you work better together. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and uh, you get to know the strengths of each of the members. You stand each other better. Yes. Yeah, and that's what comes out from things such as the restaurant night where people move around and talk to people they don't yeah. normally talk to. Well, that's another good thing about our club, uh, and that is that after the meeting is closed, oh. members can be there for another hour, hour and a half. Well, we're just talking. 
Well, that's the problem. Well, I don't know if it's a problem, but the, the back set of people say, well, we want to lock up when, when you're leaving because no one really wants to leave. Yeah. Uh, they just want to have a good social time. Yeah. There's been times where we haven't had a guest speaker turned up and it's been one of the best meetings we've ever had. We used to have a lot of those of men person behind the badge. Yes, well, and they were fantastic. Yeah, yeah well, you know, even if, you know, if there was one night where we didn't have any guest speaker, we had no person like that, we had yeah. no, nothing, and we just had a social night. Yeah. And it was one of the best yeah, club yeah. meetings ever. You're listening to 90 Club. Now, Rob, we mentioned in the first segment that there's a number of projects that have been going on this year. Can we start with the medical mission? Because that's been going now for over 20 years, hasn't 22 it? 22 years. Right. Well, this, this year will be our 22nd year. And it's a, a mission to the Philippines involving eye and ear screening mainly. Yeah. And we go to schools, we go to local villages, places where they don't have medical facilities, no hospitals, doctors, dentists, uh, eye doctors. And the people in these villages have, they don't have the money to even go to a, a medical yep. facility. So yeah. we go there through the Cataract Foundation of the Philippines to organise it. Yeah. And, and and source where the need is greatest. So it could be anywhere in the Philippines. You're right. And we we triage basically. Yeah. So as vegetarians, yeah. we're not doctors, but we do know how to triage. We can test people's eyes using charts and things. Yeah, yeah. I want to describe that chart because I think well, the next member of our club had a lot to do with the design and publishing of that chart. Well, it's very difficult to do over the radio. <laughs> but if one can imagine a large E, yeah, the letter very e, size E, a very size, it's a letter E, and the 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 Filipinos that we're testing, they don't speak English, so we have yeah. to say direction. Mm. So it's the direction of the E, and they and I'm holding up my hand here yeah. now and. Pointing my Very fingers. good for radio. Right? Great for radio. This is yeah. so I'm pointing my fingers in the direction that the E is. You yeah. don't even have an E, but yeah. if I if you had an E in front of me, I'd be pointing my fingers in the direction that the E is showing, yeah. up, down, cross, sideways, um, and we can tell from a distance of 30 feet or 15 feet whether they can see that E and they know whether the direction yeah. is up, down, sideways, and it gets smaller and smaller. So we determine how much they can see. Sometimes we're standing 15 feet away and they can't see an E that's four inches high. Yeah, yeah. So we know there's a severe problem. Yeah. And we've, we have had people come through with bilateral cataracts, which means they've been not able to see since birth. Yeah. They've been yeah. a genetic condition that they have not seen anything since they were born. Yeah. Within one day, they are able to have the cataracts removed yeah. New lenses put in, and suddenly they're able to see. Now, if we weren't there, they'd be blind for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Because they can't afford a cataract operation, and they will never see a doctor or yeah. an ophthalmologist that would, would, would correct that issue. Yeah. Now, that's, I think, one of our better programs, because uh, the amount of money with, with our support goes into that program, we get a lot of uh, good results for not a lot of money. And the other good thing is, uh, most of the locals, the local ophthalmologists, donate their time free. So they do, and yeah. that's that's amazing. We have yeah. we have a couple of uh, ophthalmologists, uh, eye doctors there that they can do a cataract operation in about seven minutes. 
And oh, I find that absolutely amazing. Well, they have to, because we've got hundreds of them. Yeah. And they yeah. have to rip through as many people as they can. They work until sometimes two in the morning doing cataract operations. Yeah. And on top of that, we also support, or we, we, we sponsor four students from La Trobe University. Oh, yeah? Tell me a bit more about that. Well, there's four students from La Trobe who are in their final year ophthalmology, and they come along... Ophthalmic. Orthoptic. Well, <laughs> Madam President is correct in here. Um, I knew they yeah. were here for a reason. <laughs> and so uh, they come along with us and yeah. they get to see things they would never see in their entire lives. Except in textbooks. <laughs> well, not even in textbooks. Yeah, These are true. I mean, in textbooks they don't have people with bilateral cataracts since birth. Yeah. It's just unheard of in the Western world. Yeah. But over there, it's not uncommon. Yeah. And not only that, we do pick up other things. We pick up uh, children with massive tumours that can get treated, and they do get treated. Now, if allowed yeah. to develop, they could possibly die. Yeah. And it's it, it's a, a holistic project that covers yeah. eyes, ears, and all of the other things that go with it. Yeah. Um, and that's expanded because uh, when I went um, I think for the third or fourth mission there was only six of us oh my gosh <laughs> now <laughs> we have 22 now including the four students yeah and this year we're actually taking two more um, media study students from from Swinburne right and they're coming as part of their course we're sponsoring them of course yeah, yeah. but as part of their course they're going to put together a a, a media study on what we're actually doing. No. They, they they don't know it yet, but they'll be helping do the the triage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. So this year's the twenty second year, is that right? Twenty second year. Yeah, I suppose has anybody totaled up the number of people we've seen? Oh my gosh! Well, the many thousands now, or tens of thousands. Well, I've been doing it ten years. Yeah. And each year we would see around about nine or ten thousand children. Yeah. Last year, out of the nine thousand children, we saw four thousand needed treatment. That was a huge increase. Usually, it's about twenty percent, ten, twenty percent. And is that the first time in that locale? It was. Yes, it was a particular area that was in desperate need. Yeah. Of, of medical care, they didn't have it, and we picked up a huge number of children with massive ear problems. The main ones being a typus media, which will lead to to, uh, to death. So what's that? It's a it's an infection. It's a, it's a is it virus, Karen? Or? No, no, it's a it's a bacterial, bacterial infection, infection of the sort of more of the middle ear. Yeah. I know what it looks like. It's yeah. horrible. Is that treatable with antibiotics? Yes. 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 It's just yes. treatable with antibiotics, but if it's not treated, they'll lose hearing, and they could even die from it. Yeah. Because it's an uncontrolled infection. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, yeah, it's probably one of the main things we look for. A lot of perforated eardrums. We get yeah. a lot of. Um, things in the ear like shotgun pellets and insects and spiders and uh, uh, that's what we also look for uh, yeah perforated eardrums because then the children they, they do a lot of swimming in the streams uh, yes. and if they've got perforated eardrums of course they can't swim but they're not told no one is there to tell them they can't swim in the water 
bullet. Got bugs and yeah, it's good that's what. And so would they get them taught if you've got a perforated drum, it will heal over, but they can't swim or get water yeah. in the end. It's just instruction. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that's all they need. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's been a magnificent program, hasn't it, Rob? Oh, it's incredible. And the work that Doug Hawley, who is mm. our immediate past president, has put into that program over the last 20 years is just amazing. He virtually runs the program. He, he yeah. goes over to the Philippines before it actually happens. Yeah. He sources the rotary clubs, the locations, the, uh, does all the, the preliminary work. And so Doug Hawley should be congratulated. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Yeah. What he's done. Yeah. So you go for about a week, is that right? Go for 12, 12 days. Yeah. And it's six days of, of actual... Triaging, yeah. that's all we do, we just triage. I mean, I can tell a good ear from a bad ear. Yeah. Um, and if it's a good ear, we can send them away, but if I see something that I have no idea what it is I'm looking at, we get, get them transferred to someone who actually knows something, and yeah. then they get treated. So yeah. it's just a way of but us being there, we can push through more people than what can be done yeah. with just one person. That's right. Okay, uh, let's move on to another one of the other projects, Busy Feet. So oh, what's that all about? Well, as that expanded, we have, with, through two of our members, Michael Chong and, and Jenny Nankervis, and uh, not to mention quite a number of others, but yeah. they have been instrumental in developing a program called Busy Feet Borondara, which is a program for t- children who are challenged, mm-hmm. let's say, in a dance and movement program. And it started off years ago at the Hawthorne Town Hall. It's now progressed to a class at Glenallen School, which is a school for... Yeah, we'll uh, come back to that especially in a little while. And it's now progressed even further to putting perhaps another class in Glenallen. But busy feet, you see the, the looks on these children's faces some of them, in fact, a lot of them are non-verbal yes. children, uh, but they, some of them are not really understanding what's happening, but they just get so excited about yeah. what's going on around them with the dance, the movement, the music. Yeah. They, uh, they, the joy that it brings them is something that you have to see to believe. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where there's one-to-one between the, the, the people coming to Busy Feet and the... I'll use loosely the word carers, so it's got to be one-to-one, isn't it? It is one-to-one. So we have a, um, a lot of Rotarians and friends of Rotary. It doesn't have to be a Rotarian. Yep. We have a lot of friends of Rotary, which is, uh, and it could be anyone. Yeah. And they come in and they take a child and they help them with their movement and music and dance. And sometimes there's an opportunity for the parents to just have an hour and a half off yeah. to go and do some shopping or yeah. give them some time off from a child who is in real special needs and that's just one aspect of it but the yeah. important thing is to give that child an experience of dance and movement and, and development yeah. and some of them come in we had one child come in and he wouldn't talk he couldn't talk he was just sit in the corner and right. do nothing and it was Michael Chong I think he brought Bill oh Bill Granger, yes. Bill Granger, who communicated with this child, and he 
brought the child out of himself and he's now fully developed in the program and thanks to Bill, this child has now gone on in leaps and bounds. Oh, that's a wonderful story. Yeah. Yes. It's so how long has this program been going? Probably about four years now. Yeah. I think it started about four years ago. And how big are the classes? How many people? Usually 12 to 16 children. Yeah, right. It's, um, we can't take too many, but, yeah. but we're happy to have anyone who wishes to become involved, either as a, uh, a helper yeah. or someone who has a child that thinks they might benefit from this program, right. most welcome to, to contact the club and, and, and uh, talk about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sure we can always take more children. Yeah. Okay. Uh, now, I should uh, say that on the Canterbury Rotary Club website, we have some details about this, uh, these projects, don't we, Rob? I'm sure we do. I think <laughs> someone's looking at the website. Oh, dear listener, you can't get good interviewers. Um, no, I did look at the website the other day. And yeah. It has a lot of information about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right, now... The next project I'd like to spend a bit of time is for a meal. Now, could you just explain what that's all about? Oh my gosh. We're, we, I don't think we have enough time here today to talk <laughs> about that, but it's a food packaging program that puts together a meal for emergency situations. Yeah, yeah, so like an earthquake or floods or something. Floods, famine, usually yeah. hot typhoons. Yep. Uh, more recent one was the the volcano eruption in the Philippines, which wiped yeah. out a number of villages yeah. and people without food and shelter. Yeah. And we were able to, through the Rotary Clubs in Manila, get these food packages, and each package is enough food for a family for a day. Okay. And we were able to get these food packages into these areas where people had nothing, yeah. no food, they were starving. And the food packages went in and, and kept these people alive. So what's in these food packages? Well, it's a mixture of rice, lentils, vitamins, and it's in a heat-sealed aluminium package. What is it? Rice, lentils, oats, and... Yeah, my wife Karen has, has done a lot of the packaging, so yeah. I, just, I just watch. <laughs> <laughs> She's put together. So we get teams. What we do is we get yeah. teams of, of about six or eight people on a table, and the package comes down the line, and yeah. things get put into the package, all weighed out. It's all yeah. done yeah. Yeah. by weight. So and how big is each of these packages? Not very big. About the size of a, um, a small packet of potato chips. Oh, okay. And probably weighs about the same, or maybe a bit more. You're right. And they're then put into boxes, and and then the boxes are then loaded onto pallets, and the pallets are then loaded onto yeah. containers, and then the containers are sent off to Manila. And they're stored locally. They're in stored Manila. locally. Yeah. But let me tell you, David, they're not stored for very long because <laughs> yeah. each time we've done it, within a matter of days or weeks of them arriving in Manila, yeah. something happens. And one recent time was when the the ISIS uh, oh, yes. were, were pushing people out of villages down in Mindanao and these people were pushed out into the fields, had nothing to eat, they were being killed, they were starving to death and the road clubs in Manila have contact with the people in Mindanao. Now, yeah. we can't go down there because it's a very dangerous place. Yeah. It's, it, the terrorists there, ISIS is there. 
that the Rotary Clubs have the influence to get these food packages in yes. and are able to get them. Even the Army or the Air Force, no one in Manila or in the Philippines or the yeah, military yeah. can get them in because it's confrontational with ISIS. But Rotary can do it. Yeah. Because Rotary is universal. Rotary, and that's the beauty about Rotary, we don't have any religious affiliation or political affiliation. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. And so we're able to get these packages into areas that no one else can do yeah. and keep these people alive. Yeah, so that sounds a very worthwhile project. And that's only been going a couple of years, hasn't it? It has. It's, it's expanding now. We're getting a, a lot of people from other clubs becoming involved. So a club yeah. will join us in a food packaging program, which is a lot of fun. It's a fun yeah. event lasting only a few hours where yeah. everyone puts all the things into the packages. I'm doing hand actions here, putting yeah. these into the packages. If you can see this on the radio. Um, and and at the end of it, we've got these pallet loads of, of, of food yeah. which immediately shipped off somewhere. And yeah. it's, a, it's a fun afternoon or evening. And we yeah. did it recently at the district conference down yes, in Waterloo. That's right. yeah. and, uh, and a lot of clubs got involved with that. We, we put together. So, how many would you have done at the district conference? Oh my gosh, I don't know. The, I many thousands? About uh, thousands, I guess. I, I, yeah. I can't recall the exact numbers, but there was a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, um, it, we could have done more except for the bushfires as you know that oh they were raging at they were raging all around us and so no, there was a there was <laughs> an urgency to get the food packages done but there was also an urgency to get out of Warrnambool before we were locked in by the ring of fire around us yeah right. bad timing yeah yeah okay now what other things like we've got a tree planting program coming up Alright. Now that's being run Let's by... Let's talk about the tree planting. Program. Okay. Janet Hay, I don't know the full details yet, but one of our newest members, Janet Hay, yeah. uh, she's only been a member for a short while, she is so enthusiastic about this tree planting program, she's approached all the other clubs in the, in the our area, in the right. area. She's got teams together and we're going to do a tree planting and don't ask me the day that it's going to happen, but it's called World Tree Planting Day, whatever that is. I think it's in July sometime. I, you could be right. I, I, yeah. I, and she is organising this with other clubs and we're going to be planting trees. So if anyone is interested in planting trees on this tree planting day, and I'm drawing a picture in yeah. my hands of the, to the actions of digging soil and putting trees in, that's what I'm doing on the radio. So <laughs> I wish this was television. Yeah. <laughs> what about the um, opportunity shop? Oh, that's another thing. I, I didn't think yeah, about that. Well, tell us about the opportunity shop. Well, it's it, it's called a, it, it's not it's more than an opportunity shop because yeah. we promote or we sell goods from Timor Leste and under those oh, countries. Okay. Yeah. And goods that are made in places like Timor Leste and and and, and similar places yeah, that yeah, are underdeveloped. Yeah. They're made by the local people, they're brought back to Australia, sold through the shop, and every penny, well, we don't use pennies anymore, do we? <laughs> every cent of what yeah. they sell those goods for goes straight back into that community where the goods were made. Oh, so we that's don't wonderful. Take, we don't take a cut. We, yeah. the, the shop is staffed purely by volunteers, yeah. and we also sell useful. The shop is in High Street, just near the Harp Hotel. So we have moved now from Camberwell, where we were, yep. to High Street, just near Hyde Hotel. Yeah. Great location. And so what sort of goods uh, are available in this opportunity shop? 
for just about anything. Books, mainly. Yeah. There's a lot of books, clothing, um, secondhand anything. Yeah, uh, right. Including, as I say, handmade goods from, from underdeveloped countries. Yeah. And a lot of the money from that goes to another project. We're leading into an another project <laughs> called Donations in Kind. Ah, yes. Now, that's where a lot of the funding from, or a lot of the funds from the shop go to helping yes. is Donations in Kind. Now, that's another story again. Well, let's have a brief uh, talk about Donations in Kind because uh, I was doing a, an interview with Bob Glinderman. Oh, yes and he happened to mention the East Timor Roofing Company and I've never heard of this and I'm now going back over 10 years and what came out was a fantastic rotary story about one guy from one of the clubs around here can't remember which one who had a sleeping bag up there and he stayed for nearly two years and uh, Rotary was indirectly approached by uh, General Cosgrove who was just after uh, Tim English Day was formed officially formed uh, they had a lot of buildings where they had walls but no roofs because the roofs had fallen down because there was a lot of wood in the roof and they set up this organisation with second hand machines and they started making roofs so that's how the original name, the East Timor Roofing Company. But now, I believe, they've got more machines, nearly all second-hand, and they make anything from water bottles to all sorts of goods as well as roofs, and they're now employing over 30 people from different villages, which means they get money back, they take back to the villages. So that was just enormously successful and very rotary sort of project. Mm. Yeah. Now, Donations in Kind has been going, uh, I understand it's an Australian uh, project, mm -hmm. start off in uh, Melbourne area, or certainly Victoria, mm -hmm. uh, and they get uh, all sorts of things, particularly hospital equipment, that has reached its 10 year life. And as a quirk with the Medicare uh, legislation in Australia is that if uh, the equipment is over 10 years old the refund reduces to patients here in Australia. So what do most hospitals do? They get new equipment when it reaches 10 years. But this is all equipment that is still totally usable and it's packed in containers and off it goes overseas. So, do you know of any shipments that uh, left and went to particular parts of the world, Rob? Well, I actually helped pack up a, a container here in, in Footscray, where the yeah. National Kind is located. They have a huge warehouse in Footscray. And I was helping to pack this container with hospital beds, equipment, yeah. um, and walkers from Karen's mother's nursing home uh, that we they were going to dump so the nursing landfill landfill and Karen my wife here mm. uh, I'm pointing at my wife on camera um, so good for radio right <laughs> and she saw all these walkers yeah. that were going to be dumped and we approached the nursing home and said can we have them of course they said yes and so we loaded this container and we were actually in 
the, in the Philippines, at Legaspi. Yeah. Was it Legaspi? No, where was it? I'm being corrected here. It was somewhere. We go to a lot of places. Yeah. Anyway, we're in this new hospital that had just been built, but they had no equipment. Yeah. And we're unloading the same equipment that I'd loaded on in Melbourne. Well, that's wonderful. So we saw it, I helped load it, and then I was, I didn't do the unloading, we had the, the local people doing that, but I was watching all this stuff yeah. being unloaded, and some of the walkers had the, the ladies' yeah, the names, names on the walkers <laughs> from the nursing home, uh, sad, who had sadly passed on. But, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it's an amazing thing that things we have here in Australia, like hospital beds, walkers, yeah. uh, things that get turfed into landfill. Scotch College has was going to get rid of uh, a lot of desks and equipment. Yes, yeah. Um, we found out about it through through a chap that I, that is the, that works there, and a lot of that equipment and desks is now on its way to the Philippines. Yeah. So things that we turf out and we put into landfill are perfectly right to use, and they get used in other countries. Yeah where they can't afford to buy these things anyway. No. Yeah. Now, we've heard a lot about some of the things that have been going on in the Canterbury Rotary Club. But more important, after your year is nearly up, Ron, where do you see, first of all, the club going, and then secondly, how do you see Rotary being developed? I'd like to see Rotary being introduced into younger people. It, right, it's, a, yes. it's a fact that Rotarians are getting older. Yes. Um, and when I first joined Rotary, they were old, and now they're old. <laughs> still, yes. I think a few younger members. Yeah. But that's where we need to develop more. And some clubs are very instrumental in getting a lot of younger people in, and I'd like to see that with our yeah. club. Um, I think the problem is that a lot of young people are just terribly involved as we were when we were young yep. in developing children, schools, yeah. sports commitments, and without having the time for Rotary. I mean, yeah. I, I did get involved with Rotary at the age of 28, which was yeah. considered quite young. It was, yeah. And, yeah, I, in fact, I got involved with Rotary as charter president of the Rotaract Club of Moorabbin when I was oh. 20. So oh, I, I go, I go back. To, we're the second Rotaract club in, 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 in I think Australia. Wow, Victoria, right. certainly Victoria. Yeah. Essendon was the first, and we were the second. But younger people need, I think, to think of themselves as helping the community rather than just working yeah. and taking out. Because I see Rotary as putting back in, and for me right. personally, we've we've achieved. So much from the community in personal yeah. everything. Um, and I see it as an opportunity to put back in. Yeah. And I think young people need to develop the idea of being, of putting back in to the yeah. community. And this is where some clubs are very active in, in getting young people involved. And I'd like to see that happen with yeah. our club and the clubs in our district. Yeah. What about Rotary as an international organisation? Well, it's funny to say that because in, in first world countries like Australia and America, mm-hmm. Rotary is fairly stagnant in yes. terms of membership. The membership doesn't really change much. 
Uh, if anything, it's dipping slightly. But in third world countries, membership's developing at a rapid rate of knots. Yeah. And well, that's probably good. It is good. Yeah. Because a lot of third world countries, they might be third world, but there's still some very wealthy people living in these third world countries and they're ready to put back into the community. And the need is there. And the need is there. And they're on the, they're on, it's like the clubs we work with in the Philippines. We're working in very poor areas, but there are rotary clubs there where the members are, are very wealthy. Yeah. And that, but they are putting back in. Yeah. Uh, Not just in money, but they're actually doing doing things. Yes. And we, one couple, uh, from a rotary club in, in, in the Philippines. The Rotarian and his wife have both grown up in the slums of Legaspi. Oh, in uh, Manila. In yeah. Manila. Yeah. So it's a slum area of Manila. They've both grown up in the slums. They've been sponsored by people, one from, from Queensland, one from Canada, yeah. separately, to go through school. And they are now, they're only in their 30, they're about 35, and they are putting back into the community. Yes. so much in the health of not just money but employment and yeah. and that's where I see more help going into third world Rotary yeah. where it's needed yeah. on the spot, on the ground yeah. and what's needed is not a whole heap is it no. it's doing simple things in a lot of cases, not just money but just simple little things like cataract operations and they sound very medical, but, but as you were saying earlier, they take seven minutes per operation, which is not much, is it? It's not much, and it's not something that has is, is so exciting because it's it, it happens because we're there, and yeah. the local people see it advertised as the Australians are coming. Yeah, where. Someone put it. Where, where, where the, where the, the bait? Yeah. To get the yeah. bait. <laughs> yeah. They want to come and see these, these yeah. Australians. They've yeah. never seen Australians in these places before. Yeah. And we get the people in, and we do the triage, and we push through, yeah. and pick up a lot of stuff. Okay. All right. Well, I think uh, if I can say so. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Rob. And uh, thank you, Mazza, uh, in the background. Um, and uh, we have a website which is probably the best way to find out more of these particularly if you're thinking of joining a Rotary Club and we're not just plugging Rotary but any sort of service club uh, our uh, website can be found at uh, canterburyrotary.org no AU, just .org or just put Canterbury Rotary Club in your search engine and it will find it. Uh, and I have to say that uh, we've got a very good website that has all sorts of information and you can actually book to go to a meeting through that vehicle. Now, any last words, Rob? No, I can't think of anything. I think there's only one other program which I, I thought I'd mention, if I've got time. Yes, we yeah. have. And it's called NYSF, or National Youth Science Forum. Oh, yes. And that's an, another amazing project where we take 300 of the, of the highly skilled students from Year yeah. 11 throughout Australia and we put them into intensive training into industry and universities in both Canberra and Perth on an intensive two, I think it's two or three week program yeah. of learning about what they can do in science. Yeah. And these are the top students in science 
throughout Australia. And people at uh, lecture are the top scientists. Top scientists. <laughs> yeah. And so someone who might start off in, in science thinking they're going to be a doctor yeah. suddenly change that to they want to do something completely different yeah. in another field of science. Yeah. No, that is another very worthwhile program. Yeah. Well, again, Karen, uh, Rob, thank you very much. I can see you've had a very enjoyable year and I know deep down you're probably sad it's coming to an end. And I wish Steve Wiley all the best for his year. Uh, We'll happy my radio show in a little while as well. Thank you, David. Karen and Rob, thank you very much. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Podcasts can be found on District 9800 website and also on Apple iTunes if you search in the podcast section for Doing Good in Victoria. This was produced and presented by David Proud.